0: To thrive. Welcome to the Thriveology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balcom. Welcome to the Thriveology Podcast. This is the podcast designed to help you thrive, even if you're one step ahead of surviving because right now that's what we're doing. We're serve thriving. We're making sure we're surviving by being safe, by being careful, and we're thriving by making sure we're moving into being our best self. So one of the things that often keeps us back from being able to thrive as much as we want is a little habit that many of us have of worrying, And sometimes we think that worrying is actually protecting us from something. But as I've noticed for many people, it's actually robbing them of living a full life. It's keeping them from having as much life. So today I want to talk about six truths about worrying. Six things that are true about worrying to help you Think about worrying in a different way, and then we'll follow up with some ways that you can defeat your worry habit if you've got that. And and let's face it, most of us have some habit of that. Somewhere in life, most of us have a place where we worry. And so let's talk about why that happens. So the first truth about worry is there is a difference between worrying and concern, One of the things that I noticed growing up, particularly in the South, is a lot of times people would say, I'm worried about blank. And they'll fill in the blank. And what they're really saying is, I'm concerned about blank. This is important to me about blank. I'm thinking about this. But it begins to be a worry. And so let's talk a little bit about the distinctions of that. Concerns are about things you care about. So you might have concerns about the world around you and you may have concerns, things that touch you. And we all have this category and it's a different piece in that category. Some of us are concerned with some things that others, it doesn't bother them so much. We all have a different thing that triggers our concern level, which is why it makes it interesting for us all to be in society trying to get along because what triggers your concern may not trigger my concern at all. Now, a concern is just something that gets your energy, something that you maybe think about. You can be concerned about politics. You can be concerned about your kids. You can be concerned about your family. You can be concerned about hobbies. You can be concerned about lots of things, but that doesn't mean it crosses over to worry because worry is a focus on the potential or possible negative outcome to something. A concern I can have a concern about politics, but when I worry about politics or I worry about something political, I'm thinking about the negative consequences, the negative things that could come out about that. If I'm concerned about my kids and, and how they're doing, I can be concerned about that and thinking about that and thinking about all the good things in their life and all the possibilities of their life. But if I am worrying about something for my kids, I'm worrying about what might be a negative outcome. Same for myself. You know, I might have a concern about my health. So with my concern about my health, I do things to take care of it. I could be concerned about that by exercising, by watching my diet, by making sure that I'm getting the rest I need. And in that process, it's not really that I'm worried about what might happen as much as I have a concern about that. So it motivates me to take action versus a worry about that. Maybe I worry about something that's going to happen. Maybe I worry that I'm going to get a disease or I worry that I'm going to injure myself or I worry that, you know, I'm getting older and I worry of what that might hold in it. And so the, the worries are about specific negative outcomes of those things over which we have some concern. Now, there is a back and forth with that. You don't tend to worry about things over which you have no concern. Let's say that something doesn't catch your attention. Something doesn't seem to be important to you. You're not going to worry about it. So the worry is about the negative outcomes or negative possible outcomes of the things over which you are concerned So now we have some categories for you, the things over which you're concerned. And if you've heard me talk about what we can and cannot control, you know that I have a circle of concern that encompasses all of those things over which you have some concern. But the worry is about you thinking about the negative outcomes of those items. Now, notice something that we've already now noted Worry can be about things over which we have no control, which we'll talk about as we talk about how to cope with this a little bit more. Okay, the second thing is to recognize the difference between worry and reality. Worry and reality stand in stark contrast to each other because reality is the state of what is right now. Our reality is this moment. We humans have this capacity of thinking back to older moments of reality and thinking back about future possible moments of reality. And so you also notice that worry, thinking about the negative possible things that might happen, worry is future-focused in reality orientation. You and I live in this present moment, but can think about the past and think about the future. So in the moment, what's happening right now is not usually what has our worry. It's what's happening next or what's happening in the future. If I'm worried about something, I'm thinking about something that's just ahead of me. I'm thinking about something that's just beyond where I am right now. Maybe a minute, maybe an hour, maybe a day, maybe a week, maybe two weeks, maybe a month, maybe six months, maybe further out years. I can worry about that. I can worry about what's coming down the road. Some people tell me that you know, when they have their, their baby, they're, they're overjoyed with the baby and then they start thinking, who's my baby going to become? How's my baby going to grow up? What will my baby do as an adult? Those are all future focuses of, other than the reality of the moment of holding that baby of what is right now. But let's say that something happens, your baby starts coughing and it's not just your worry about dealing with the moment. But what does that coughing mean? What if that baby is getting sick and that's moving it into the future? Worry is future oriented. Reality is in this moment. When we're living in the moment, when we're entirely present with this moment, we're not worrying. We're focused on this moment. Worry pulls us towards a future orientation or at least the negative potentials of that future orientation. Remember, we can also be thinking about all the great stuff that might happen. That's also future-oriented, too. Both worrying about and daydreaming about the great possibilities out there both pull us out of the present moment. But as we're dealing with worry, we recognize that that future orientation is about the possible negative outcomes, Most of us are more likely to have worrying moments than potential moments. Most of us have a tendency towards worrying more in the amount of thought we put into it, than thinking about the possibilities, than dreaming about what's the aspirations that we might have in life, what's the aspirations, the possibilities that are out there. Which makes sense because worrying is tied into our survival thinking. Our ancestors would have been better served worrying about what might be coming down the road than not worrying about what's coming down the road. Worried about, what do I do when it turns cold? Do I have enough food? Do I have enough protection? Do I have enough wood to burn through the cold months? The worrying about that leads, for some people, to taking action. Now, I want you to notice, we're going to talk about this in a minute, that worrying does not necessarily lead to action, But not worrying, not thinking about the future in ancient times might have led to a lack of action that catches up with them. So the other piece to understand, another piece, is that worry is self-validating. And this is one that you really want to think about how we validate worry based on the fact that something happens that we worried about. So just for a moment, I want you to think of a friend, the friend who is always making predictions about what's going to happen. They make prediction after prediction. and, And by the way, most people do this in some way. They make prediction after prediction. And a lot of them, if not most of them, never come to pass. But let's say that something does come to pass. Then the friend says, see, I told you so. That's what I was talking about. In fact, if we look at a lot of the prognosticators who are on TV, who are telling us what's going to happen with the economy and what's going to happen with politics and what's going to happen in the world around us, they are making predictions that when they don't come true, they don't have to worry about. They're just forgotten. They can always say, well, that's still coming down the road. We can always kick it down the road a little bit further, but the ones who get to keep coming back have something to draw on. If you look at it, a lot of articles will start with this expert who predicted something in the past is now predicting something else. And that something in the past that happened to come true. They get to for their career say, see, I predicted that. Now, if you predict enough things, they will eventually come true. And this is what happens when You talk to somebody who's a hypochondriac. A hypochondriac is always thinking that they're getting sick with something. They hear about symptoms and they go, oh, I've got that too. Now, we all have a little bit of that, but there are some who suffer with that enough that they are constantly checking in with doctors and other medical professionals to see if something indicates something worse. So now let's be honest about life. You and I are going to get sick at some point, might have an injury at some point. Something's going to happen to us at some point. And so a hypochondriac, eventually, if they keep saying, I think I'm sick, I think I'm sick, I think I'm sick, eventually they're going to be sick and they get to go, see, I told you so. My wife tells me about this tombstone that's out there somewhere that says, I told you I was sick. And that's kind of what happens with people who suffer from hypochondriasis, they eventually are going to be right. They eventually are going to be able to say, see, I knew I was sick. Not, missing, not able to see the many times that they missed it, that they thought they were getting sick and it didn't come true. And so because of that, our worry begins to be self-validating. We only point to the times, our worry only points to the times when it was right. And because of that, the self-validating piece begins to be what scientists, cognitive scientists, call confirmation bias. It's when we're looking for information that proves the point that we already believe. Confirmation bias is around us all the time. That is part of what we struggle with in studies and other pieces of culture, that the possibility of something happening, if you look for it enough, you're going to find it. If you believe that people are bad, you're not going to notice all the times that people around you are nice. You're going to look at the few times that people around you weren't nice and go, see, that proves my point. On the contrary, if you believe that people are good, when something bad happens, you'll disregard that and look for all the other places where people do good things and say, see, I told you people are good. That's the nature also in politics. When people prove their point by looking at things that already prove the point they wanted to make confirmation bias, worry is based in confirmation bias. It allows us to be clear that what we thought was going to happen indeed did happen. And that lets us rest assured that our reason for worry was well-based, was well-established, and that leads people who tend to worry to worry more, to make sure that they're ahead of the game. The fourth distinction or fourth truth about worry is the difference between worrying and doing or taking action. I remember years ago, I had a client in my office and lots of bad things were going on in his life. And I said, so tell me, what's, what are you doing? And he said, you don't think I'm doing anything, do you? And I said, I asked the question, what are you doing? He said, Well, it's not like I'm not doing anything. I'm worrying about this every single day. Somewhere in the process of worrying, which feels like a very uh, active piece of thinking, you're thinking through all the possible scenarios, you're coming up with all the possible scenarios, it feels to many people like they are actually doing something, taking action. But in reality, worry happens in our thoughts. When we finally get down to taking action, it pulls us back into the present moment. So let's say that I am thinking about my future life and I'm worried that something might happen to me. And I keep thinking about all the possibilities of what might happen to me, what health consequences there may be. I maybe I look at my family members and go, what genes did I get from them? Now I'm worried that I might get this or that or this might happen to me or that might happen to me. And as I'm thinking through all of that, I'm thinking about all these negative outcomes, but doing nothing. But let's say this morning I get up, which I did, and I took a walk, which I did, and then I exercised, which I did. I was taking action. But in the taking action, I was present in the moment. I was back into the reality of the moment, not on all of the negative possibilities. I was working through how do I change the possibilities in the front of me towards where I want to go. When we take action towards our goal, we're back in the present moment. Worrying, though, can feel like we're taking action. It can feel like we're doing something because it takes up so much mental energy. We're doing the thought work. Now, it's possible that somebody makes a great living worrying. And in fact, I think that is often what attorneys do. They worry about all the possible negative outcomes, and so they work to mitigate that. So they think through what might happen here. Now, how can I mitigate that? See, if worry leads to action, there's a possibility that it actually moves things in a positive direction. But for most people, it stops with worry. In fact, because so many people are worried about things over which they have no control, there is really no action they can take. If I'm worried about a loved one's actions, I don't have control over that. So when I spend my time thinking about all the negative possibilities of what might happen with that loved one, a spouse or a child or a parent or a friend or somebody else, and yet I have no control over that, I can't do anything, and yet I still feel like I've done something just in the worry. Which brings us to the truth number five, that we worry about things over which we've attached our sense of self. When you think about who you are, you may narrow it down to just thinking about here, this is me, right? My person, my body, my thoughts in my body. And yet research shows that we attach to things around us. I remember how true this was uh, several years ago when I visited Morocco my daughter and I uh, did some uh, a tour of Morocco. It is a great time for us to be together. But when we got back, I began to notice all of the troubles and all the issues I would read about that probably were in my newsfeed before about Morocco. And I suddenly was concerned for the people there. I was suddenly concerned about what might happen there. I would attached my sense of self to that place. I've attached my sense of self to the place I grew up, so I'm still concerned about the news of that area. I'm concerned about the places where I vacation. So when there is a hurricane coming through, I'm concerned about my particular area of the coast. I worry about what's going to happen there. Sure, I might be overall concerned about safety of everyone. Just in a general, I care about everybody and I want everybody to be safe. But specifically, I'm looking to see if the route is going over where I, I love where I like to spend time and I might worry about that because it's a threat to my attachment to self, which explains why we tend to worry about people who are close to us, our children, our parents, our friends, our colleagues. We worry more about that. And the closer they are to ourselves, the more we have a risk of worrying about them. Not that our risk is changing anything or our worry is changing anything, but it might stir more thoughts. So if I'm looking at several young people and one is my child and the others aren't, I might worry more specifically about what's going to happen to my child than the others, even though I might have a general overall concern that everybody be okay. The closer to the self, the more likely it is to trigger our worry, the closer we're attached to it. And by the way, the attachment can be to things. Maybe you worry about what's going to happen to your car if it's left out in the storm or your iPhone if you drop it because you've an attached, or, or your Android phone for that matter, you've attached some sense of self to that. Researchers show how we are triggered in our mirror neurons to react to other people's emotions when they are closely related to us. When somebody closely related to us feels pain, we experience that much more acutely than if somebody more distant. If you've ever noticed this thing where you could read, let's say on Facebook or somewhere else, you could read a story and if you pass by, it passes by. But if you write a comment, you begin to be attached to the discussion that's happening there because you've attached your sense of self to that piece, which leads us to the fact that we tend to worry about things that are more closely related to our sense of self. Now, the sixth truth is something that helps us distinguish between worry and anxiety. It can feel a lot the same, but when I talk with people that are just dealing with anxiety and ask them, hey, what what are you anxious about? Sometimes they will say, I don't know. I just feel very anxious And it's a very generalized sense. It's a sense of unease that spreads across lots of their life. Worry, though, is generally aimed at something specific. It has specificity to it. So when somebody says, I'm worried, they generally can name what they're worried about. I'm worried about what's going to happen next year with my kids in school. I'm worried about my kids driving. I'm worried about my kids going to college. I'm worried about my kids moving out. I'm worried about my kids getting a job. I'm worried about on it goes. That's specific. In other words, the more specific something is, the more it's likely to be about your worries. The more generalized it is of just having a general sense of feeling in your body of anxiety because anxiety often is experienced in our body as a generalized state of unwell-being, that's different than when it's focused on something specific. I'm worried about that spot on my leg is different than just going, I'm generally worried about things. I'm generally anxious about life. So this begins to create an area that we can explore further because the more we can be objective, about the roots of our worry, the roots of what's driving the worry, the more we can take that back. So the six truths, again, about worry. Number one, worry is different than concern. Worry is having a focus on the possible negative outcomes of the areas over which you have concern, the people, the things over which you have concern. Number two, worry is different than reality because reality is in the present moment. This moment delivers you reality. Worry is about the negative potential, which is future focused. Number three, worrying is self-validating. When we worry about things, we keep track of the things that come true and forget about all the things we worried about that never came to pass. Number four, worry is different than doing or taking action, even though sometimes it feels like when you're worrying, you're actually doing something because you're doing the mental energy of thoughts. Number five, worry is most closely attached to the things to which we most closely attach. We are more likely to be triggered to worry about things that we've attached our sense of self to than other things. And finally, worry has specificity. Number six, worry has specificity and anxiety is generalized. When we're specifically focused on one thing that could go wrong, that's worry. In our next episode of Thrivology, we'll talk about how you can begin to reduce your own level of worrying. This is Lee Balkum, wishing you the best as you work to build your thriving life.